Hey, welcome to Faith City Church, everyone. How are you doing? Can I get a quiet roar? All right, there we go. All right. What well, awesome. Uh, I don't know if my, is my mic on? Uh, wonderful. So today, I just want to let you know if this is your first time, right after service, we have around 20 minutes of fellowship time. So there's, there's sweets and a little snack and more coffee and more water to drink. So we, we invite you to join us after that moment. We really want you to be a part of what we call our fellowship time. We built it in because we believe in community. And so we, we really welcome for you to do that today. And also, like, if, the, if you hear something, want to know about something, want to connect with something, we have what we call discovery groups. Discovery groups are our form of small groups, but what we do is we are peer-led and we, have, we discover Jesus together. And so it's not, a, it's not a time of just like super teaching. There's one person teaching at you all the time. It's a peer-led where we're discussing and talking about how Jesus, how to be made disciples in our life today. Uh, Marla, can you put up that next side? Yes. Yeah. So this is what we believe. We believe in the good news. Like we believe that the Bible is true, that is inherent, that everything that it says is true, and it helps us in making disciples. Like we don't believe there's not there's a lot of other books out there. There's a lot of other teachings out there. But we believe that the word of God is great to make disciples. And so that's what we believe. And we believe that it can restore families like the good news restores families. There's a lot of programs. There's a lot of things. But we believe that the hope in Jesus can restore families. And we believe that the good news can end everyday hunger. That means that if they're family, we are we are on mission to reach families that are food insecure. And so if there's a family that's out there. We believe that we have the opportunity by the power of the good news to help them be food secure. And so that's what, that's part of our plan. Mar- uh, Marlene, go to the next slide. So today we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare. And I think it's a, it's a hard subject and it's a subject that we, that we need to have, you know, uh, if you're just joining us for Faith City Church, uh, this is, uh, you're going through something in your, in your life personally, I'm just going to let you know as a pastor, uh, we've been going through a lot of spiritual warfare. And one of the things I, I think the enemy is saying to us and, and constantly are, people are always constantly, if you believe in Jesus, they're always saying, where's your God? Where is he at? <laughs> Where is he at in this moment? And we know we're hurting and oppressed and we have faith in God, but today we must shed ourselves. Like, stop, just go ahead and say, all right, I know I'm going through something. We need to hear a message that's going to change our life. We need to have something that's going to actually, when we walk out the door today, we got to walk out, we got to walk out with hope carrying in our hearts. We need a word from God that will change everything about us. And I believe that's where the spiritual warfare, we don't need more good teaching because YouTube is good for that. You don't need to come to church for that. YouTube is good for that. We need a word that's going to draw us to God. Like I was asking God, I said, God, what, what as a pastor, what can I do? He said, he said, Carl, preach a message that draws men unto myself. Don't preach a message that draws men unto you. And I said, man, what a powerful statement. What a powerful truth that God is going to, going to tell me that, that if we preach him, we preach Jesus and Jesus crucified. That's the message that's going to draw people. The message that God has for them. 
And God wants to use the local church, this this small gathering of people, to draw in people who are who are sinning against God and, and who are unrighteous, who are not in right standing with God. I'm not afraid to say those words. The big S word. We're, we, they're people that are living in sin and they need God. They need a real word. They don't need a program. They don't need they don't need uh they don't need somebody just to be good to them. They need a word from God. They need a word that's gonna answer that question. Where's your God then, Pastor? I'm going through this. I remember a story uh, when I was a street evangelist and I was in New Haven, Connecticut, and I was with uh, some of my college friends, and they never, ever went door to door. They were so excited about going door to door. I was like, all right, there's going to be some opposition. Like, everybody's not going to answer the door. People aren't going to be happy to see you. They're going to ask you. They're going to say some things to you that ain't right. And so all of a sudden, we're going door to door. We're standing outside, and one of my friends, he walks up to a drug dealer who's got his, who's got his baby's mama and probably some other things going on with him, uh, around him, and he's like, he starts telling him about Jesus. He said, what Jesus going to do about this baby? How Jesus going to put these diapers in this baby's hand? I'm out here hustling, hustling for my kids. Where's Jesus at? He was dumbfounded. Jesus was there. But sometimes we don't know how to tell people, where is God in the midst of that? And I thought, I thought today we need, to, we need to ponder, we need to think about that God wants to deliver and witness like we're, we're people who are extraordinary, not people who are ordinary. I love this. God is not earthly. He's not. He's not made of clay. He's not molded. And he's not walking in systems of power that we that we are subject to each and every day. God is cosmic. He's above this world. He's out of worldly. Like a, a, a pastor said, he likes the comic books. And I've been talking about it all week. Iron Man was made by, by Tony Stark. Captain America, he was made by scientists that were that got something that was that was different. That was some stone. Uh, Wonder Woman, she she was just powerful because she was in a different time in some time loop. But when you had the Silver Surfer, he would fly in. He was cosmic. He had power they couldn't even handle. And that's how Jesus is. He has cosmic power. His power that's not of this world. John four says, "Greater is He than me that He is in the world." Jesus' power is greater than that. And when we start talking about the power of darkness. God is not earthly. He is cosmic, and he can deliver us from this dark world. I think that is so powerful. Powerful. You know, we've been, we, uh, I'm just going to be real. I've been real teaching. But God has something special for us today. I'm going to be talking about spiritual warfare and how we can overcome it. We're talking about tools and resources that the apostles use to turn the world upside down. I'm you, if you're starting to come to Faith City, I'm asking you, this is, this is a church that's going to turn over all its power, all its, all its privilege to the power of God. God has given me an assignment to herald the gospel in a way that we'll be living the victory of Jesus out in our life. We're going to make disciples. We're going to restore families. We're going to end food insecurity. And we're going to do it because it's a redemptive plan of God, not because it's just something good to do. We're going to rescue the lost and find the broken and show them that God's church is here to stay. A little history about this space. Churches have come and gone in here. 
But I'm believing that we have to build a resiliency to fight for Faith City. In Dayton's Bluff, many don't want us here. Many aren't going to support us. But we're going to bring the victory of Jesus by any means necessary. After the message today, we'll have a time to respond. We'll ask you to come up front, move out of where you are. We want you to agree to see what God is. God is going to have victory in your life today. We are praying that you be prepared to walk with you. We are prepared to walk with you fully to live out the faith of Jesus in your life. So today we're going to be in Psalms uh, 42, 1 through 5. And as I was praying this week, I'm just going to confess because I believe like confession is good for the soul. My soul has has been hurt. My soul has been burdened. My life has been attacked. My life has been broken. My life has been outspoken. But that, that soul part of me has been hurt. See, I think that's the enemy's tactic. Like everything come crashing around our life so that our soul will get, become hopeless. Like the, you know that thing that you can do inside of you that makes you get up in the morning? Not the life that you're leading, but that, 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 that there's that unction inside of you. There's that oomph. There's that, there's that, there's that can do or like I got to move over. I got the roll over attitude that makes you get up. You think it's just you, but it's not. It's your soul. It's the soul that's within you that makes you, motivates you, gets you to the place that you need to be. And, and, and sometimes our life is like so messed up. Stuff happens in our life so messed up that it penetrates to our soul, that it gets there. We try to protect our hearts. We try to protect our soul from these things. But sometimes, sometimes it breaks the barrier. And I believe that's, that's what the enemy's goal is, to, to attack us so much and to, to thwart us so much that, that our soul becomes so unsatisfied with who God is that we ask that question, well, God, where are you then? I'm hurting. I'm broken. Where are you? And he led me to this, this, this verse like I, I had this, this thought that my soul is not satisfied. And as soon as I had that thought and I reached out in the prayer for people, every scripture that they said, let, let your life be satisfied. I believe that's what we need as in spiritual warfare when things are happening to us, when we're unsatisfied with the things that are happening in our life. There's something that God wants to give us to satisfy our soul. Like, we're not going to be able to satisfy our life. Like, we're always going to have trials and tribulations. In 1 Corinthians, it says this. He said, you are inflicted in every way. But our soul is something that we can protect. Our soul is something that we can be satisfied in. Our soul is something that belongs to God. And he can actually penetrate the, the crevices of our heart, like Melody said, and go deep down in who we are and give us hope in the most hopeless situation. And in Psalms 42, 1 through 5, if you could open up your Bible, if you're if you have a phone, we're in a Bible app, you're in a U version. You can find us at Faith City Church. We're we're alive and thriving. So we we're there. And so we'll have the scripture there. And as you're getting there, just think about the thing. This is like what I'm saying. Just think about it. Man, there's been warfare in our lives. But today. The purpose, the purpose of today is you to walk out of this place 
victorious. Hold it on and hold it on to the very light of Jesus. In verse 42, 1 through 5, it says like this, the psalmist, he says, As a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When I come, when can I come and appear before you, God? My tears have been my food day and night. While all day long, people say to me, where is your God? I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walked with many, leading the festive festive procession for the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior, my God. He starts off with this verse, as a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. Where can I come and appear before me, God? In the first two verses, we see a sad introduction. When I was growing up in the 90s, I would liken this psalmist to like the emo. You, know, you got dark hair, dark clothes. Like this guy's like, man, where are you, God? He's, a, he's in his most emotional state. He said, I feel like a deer wandering wherever I can go to find water, to find flowing streams. Me and my wife were taking a trip to preach to a church in, in the Dakotas. And uh, my friend said there was a drought. And I've never seen a drought before in, in, in the land. But then I saw this drought and I saw these cows going to no water and starting to lick dirt because they were longing for water to be there because that's what their natural resource was. And when I thought this, I said, this is what this is like. This guy is in the act of surrender. This psalmist is saying, I'm so surrendered. I'm in this very circumstance that I am. He's like, this is deep. He asked this question. He's longing for God. Everywhere he's turning, he, he can't find him. And then he says this. He's like, I'm closing. He's, he's almost suicidal. He says, God, when can I come before you? When can I leave this place? When can I leave this world, this life? When can I come and appear before you, God? He's asking. You know, when you meet the old saints, they say these. They say this very interesting phrase. They say, "I can't wait to get home to Jesus." <laughs> like this guy's not even an old saint. He's just like, "Man, God, when can I appear before you? I'm done. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this battle. I'm tired of this struggle. I'm tired of this circumstance. I'm longing for you, God. I'll need you. I need you right now." He wants nothing else to do with this battle. He's like, "I'm finished." He longed for it to be over. He also thirsts after God. It's like a little bit of hope. He said, God, if you come, if you give me a drink, God, if you come, God, but I'm done with this battle. And then he says this. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. While all day long, people say to me, where is your God? He's like, man, what am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? Like, he's in, he's in sorrow. Like, life is really giving him a, a hard path. He's like, man, what am I going to do? He's not even talking. He's not eating. 
This guy is in sorrow. He's crying day and night. He's not even worried about where his meal's going to come from. He's not even worried about who's going to come over to eat. He's like, I'm crying over this all day. And then as people see him in this sad, sad, terrible state, this sad state of battle, being battle-worn, his, his armor all messed up, his soul all torn apart, people are like, well, where's your God at? You've been talking about this God your whole life. You've been living it. You've been living it. Where is he at? Where is your God? Going to the next slide, Marlon. Oh, yeah, there we go. So the big idea of what's happening is that is that as your soul gets satisfied, you're going to understand that you're going to find victory in Jesus that's going to deliver you from the darkness of this world. People watch us all the time. They watch all the things happening to us. They know our battles. They always they say, "Well, you're Christian. <laughs> Should you be seeking and seek you be getting the victory?" Even ourselves, we're like, "Man, why aren't we getting the victory in this thing in our life? Where where are you, God?" I remember, I remember asking that when when I was when I was a drunk and I was walking down the street and I kept getting into these moments. And the next thing I said, "All right, God, where are you?" He said, "You you wouldn't forsake me. He said you wouldn't leave me. Where are you, God?" And the, and the most sorrow, and, and the, the psalmist is all of a sudden, he's just recalling, he's crying, and he's pleading, and he's asking for help. He says, I need a victory. I need victory in my life. See, we are in a battle, and we long for God to rescue us. We long for him to rescue us. We long for him to rescue us every day. We're asking where is God in this whole situation? In the things that we're going through, we're trying to place our faith in trusting in him, but we're asking ourselves, where are you, God? Where are you in my life? I remember I, did, I asked God that same thing. Where are you? If you're the God that, that's cosmic, if you're the God that can deliver anything, if I'm trusting in you and I'm doing all the things that you called me to do, I'm doing all the things that you said to do, I'm obeying your word, where are you? Where are you at? You may be in turmoil right now, even as I'm speaking, facing the longest trial that you've ever faced in your life. You, you got tears. You may have lost your appetite. You may not be eating right now. You may have parched your soul in anxiety and forgot the power of God. I was talking to a friend, and she said, when our lives are broken, it's like a plane crash. And everything on the field is all over the place. <laughs> and we don't know how to, our past, our present, and our future, we don't know where to pick it up at. We're just lost looking around. We're waiting on a rescue team to help us pick up all the debris that we have in our life. And our soul is parked in anxiety. It's parked there like worrying and fixing on the problems of the day or how we're going to figure things out or how we're going to fix things. Like, I'm a man. I'm a fixer. I'm not a good fixer, but I'm a fixer. <laughs> you know, I can fix some things, you know. They always say measure once, measure twice, and, and drill once. I measure like three, four times and drill like twice. So it never works out for me. Melody always says the TV's crooked or something like that. It's like, well, it got up there. Leave it alone. 
<laughs> but I, I just remember this. I just know, like, sometimes we park out, we're just worried about what people think and, and what people are going to say about us or, or how we're going to respond to them when things happen. And we parked our soul in worry. We parked our soul in the cares of the world. And we and we forget sometimes that, that God's there to bring us out of it. I parked my soul when I was in addiction and in, in, in pain and in suffering and, and suicidal thoughts. And then all of a sudden I got a glimpse of who God was. He gave me a little bit of hope. He gave me some water. And then verse 4, he said, I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walk with many. And, and he says, how I walk with many, leading the festive procession. To the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. Man, he's thinking of good old days. We all think he's thinking about the good old days. The days when, when things were right and he was leading. He went back to himself. <laughs> he he goes out and God is telling him not to think about himself, not to place trust in himself. And he's like, I can find victory and triumph back in myself. And he says, Remember where he was leading. Then we remember the times. You know, the Holy Spirit loves to remind us of things. And it's not bad that this guy was, this psalmist was thinking about the procession and going to the house of God. I remember a quote. It, it stuck with me. Sometimes we can overcome our current battle when we think about our past triumphs. And I don't say how we triumph, but how God triumphs. I think about my salvation experience many times when I'm in my worst and in my darkest moment. I said, man, he saved me. Man, he found me when nobody else wanted me. He cared for me when the world didn't even think I existed. When I was invisible to every single person, God saw me and he picked me up out of the worst, dirtiest state that I was in. And he said, I love you. Right who you are, Carl. I love you for who you are right now. And that's why when I look at the current battles that we face in our life, I think about that. Like, man, he found us when nobody else wanted us. He pursued me when I was the worst thing to pursue. And our psalmist is starting to remember the greatest victory. He's remembering going to the house of God. And we may not have that kind of culture. We may not have that kind of experience, but we can come in and we can see, we can say, man, if I, if I haven't had a victory of God, I want one. If I had had a victory of God, I need it back. Victory is a state that's not, that's, is not momentary. Victory with Jesus is eternal. See, when he died on the cross, he didn't die for that moment. He died on that cross for eternity. And when he died on the cross for eternity, that means he died for us for eternity. And he gave us victory, not for today, but for every day. And I love that. Our psalmist remembered it. He's leading and surrounded with others, shout with joy to the house of God. He's remembering the joy of God to overcome this warfare. And that is surrounding him day and night. That is stealing every ounce of joy he has. The battle steals your joy. The battle steals your smile. My friend said, uh, he came to visit me and he was, he was like, yeah, I was telling him about all the warfare we were going through. And he says, but Carl, you're still smiling. <laughs> I said, I, I was like, man, I really don't want to smile. <laughs> but there was some joy that was coming 
There was some joy that was being released. There was some joy because I saw my friend. And it brought, I don't know what it was when your friends come visit you and come see you. And I don't know what it was. Something sparked in my soul was like, man, I'm going to make it. I'm going to get out of this. And then Psalmist is saying the same thing. He was surrounded by people. Then he, he says words that, that really challenged me as I was reading these. He says this. He says this, as you're thinking about your victory that you had in the past, as you're thinking about the joy of the Lord, as you think, he says, so, why are you subjected? Why are you so dejected? Why are you so sad? Why are you so depressed, soul? So, what's going on? So, what's happening? So, why are you in so much turmoil, soul? As we look at our soul, we say, so, why are you so dejected? Why are you in so much turmoil? What is happening? There's something stole the joy of the Lord from you. What is going on in your life right now that the victory of Jesus is not being, being presented to you? What is happening, soul? What is happening? The psalmist is lost in longing for God. He's drowning in tears. He's not eating. He's grabbing hold of past moments of joy and praise, and he realizes it's his soul that's under attack. He thought it was just his life. He thought it was just his friends. He thought it was just his church. But it was his soul that was under attack. Sometimes it's not just our life that's under attack by the enemy. It's our soul. And that's really important as we look at this life and this battle. If our soul is depressed and in turmoil. And, and, and we look at it, man, when you got a soul cry, when, when you're at warfare, is at its finest is when it's t- attacking your soul. Listen, people can attack my family, my marriage, <laughs> my kids, and I, I may be able to, to pick something up there. But when my soul's attacked, it's like I can't recover. When my soul's attacked, it's like nothing nothing can fill that. Nothing nothing can, can really stop that. Nothing nothing can can change the fact that my soul's being attacked. It hurts. Like when, when we look at people who are lost and broken, it's not about the, the life that surrounds their soul that's being attacked. When you have no hope. And you don't think there's no voice and you don't think there's no place to move and, and everything that you do is worthless. Your soul's being attacked. And, and everything that you put your hand to, you say, why is this not working? Why is this not going on? I'm doing everything. God, I'm crying out to you. I'm doing all the right things. I'm not doing anything that's wrong, God. I feel like I'm not, I'm not, I'm living right for you. And then your soul's just under attack. You're depressed. You're under pressure all the time. Then the psalmist gets a glimpse. He says this, these very powerful words after, after he realizes it's his soul. After he realizes it's, it's not the life, it's not the people, it's not the circumstance, it's not the situation. It's his soul that he needs to care for. He says these words. He says, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. For I will still praise him, my Savior, my God. He turns the table for us. He lets us know right now to put our hope in God. 
and, and in the Bible, hope means something different than it means today. It means today for people. It may mean a glimpse of something that's happening for you. But, but hope is actually described in the Bible as a bungee cord. And it's described as a bungee cord. Like you, you take a bungee cord, you pull it back. The more that you hope for things, the more expectancy, the more pulling that you pull back on the hope the more it's going to be resilient. And then all of a sudden you let that bungee cord back and hope is supposed to be so powerful as the more resistance that happens with the, the hope, the more, the more resistance and power that you pull on hope, the more resistance and power that you pull it back. And you say, all right, all right, I can pull it as much as you can, as much as you can. And you let it go and hope flings and just grabs a hold of you. It just changes everything that's going on around you. And you're just smacked in everything in your life. You're like, man, I got hope. I got hope today. Man, God, you can do that. That can happen. The very expectation and anticipation wrapped up in one thing that God's going to do what he said he's going to do. He said we can overcome with hope today. And then he says this, he says, he says, through all of this, I'm going to praise God, my Savior. I know my soul is hurting. I know things don't look like they were, but I'm going to put some resistance on hope today. I'm going to put some resistance on it today. I'm going to pull it as much as I can today. I'm going to pull it with all my strength. Because you know back, you know, when you pull a bungee cord with all your strength, it's not the strength, it's the, when it pops back, it pops back double. It don't pop back with the same strength that you put on it. It has some resistance. You know, I'm a biker, so you get a little bit of resistance when you're going up a hill and you're pedaling and you're, and you're breathing hard. But hope is like that. You put some resistance on it and you let it go. And you don't know what it's going to hit. It's gonna, it don't have no trajectory. It doesn't have no target. Anything that's in its way. And you know, like a bungee cord. I remember I used to pull them tight really all the time. And they pop back. So might hit you in the face. Might hit you in the neck, might hit you in the head, might hit you anywhere. You don't know where hope is going to target its place today. And I know that's not easy. It's not easy placing our faith in some hope and, and, and bringing resistance and pulling on it each and every day. It's not easy. It may not be easy in the season that you're facing right now. It may not be easy. It may, you may be facing the largest trial in your soul. You may co- be conflicted in every way. But God is saying, I'm hope. I'm hope. He's saying today that he's hope. And if you're here today and, and you and you're saying, man, my soul, I'm here today. Preaching to me. <laughs> saying my soul <laughs> is dejected. I'm pulling on hope today. And say, God, I need some hope right now in this moment. I need some hope. And this is the thing. When God, when God returns something, he never returns something halfway. He never returns something one way. He returns it. He returns it in double its capacity. And so I'm hoping today. For one thing, I'm hoping for your lives. That every bit of resistance that's been coming against you, every bit of pulling that's been coming against you, that placing your faith in God, that hope would change that. 
And as I said in the beginning, you're going to have an opportunity to respond. We respond in two ways. But I'm going to ask that this is going to be a brand new way. We're going to respond and ask you for prayer. If you want prayer. If you want, if you respond today and you place your faith in Jesus, you say, man, this is something that I really want. We had Peggy's in here today and she's at the connection table. If you want to sign up, sign up for a discovery group because hope happens in those settings. Hope happens in community and transparency. That hope is going to happen. You're going to find hope. And we believe that. And we're going to do another way that we respond is if you believe in Jesus totally in your life, you believe that he died on the cross and, 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 you're, and, you, and you placed your faith and hope in him, that we, we respond by taking communion. And we respond by understanding what that means. When we take the, when we take the cup, you remember that this is a cup of redemption, not a cup of wrath. And when we break the bread, remember that he was broken. He was broken for us. So anything that we go through in our life that's broken, that Jesus can fix it. I'm just going to be real with that. He can fix it. And even as the psalmist was talking today, he can say, Jesus can fix it and hope that he can fix it. Put hope in that he can fix it. And so we, we're going to move on to that. We're going to play a song. And then the elders are going to pass out the communion. So uh, if you want to you wanna sing, you want to you wanna be a part of that, you can do that. But I'll be up here during the song uh, ready to pray with you if you want prayer.